Welcome to Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I am Nathan Hartswick. And I am Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That's right. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode 13, Flames, Flames End. End. Oh my gosh. Lucky 13. Will it hold up? Ooh. We're going to find out. Uh, Can't wait. But first. <laughs> um, <laughs> but first. Uh, how was your let's... week? You went on a giant trip. Uh I in, did. Uh, well, Park. yeah. A couple hours away from here is Yosemite uh, National Park, which I awesome. have never been to. I don't believe I have ever been to any national park in my life, wow. actually. Um, I realized that when we were kind of rolling up, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is this like wasn't part of my childhood growing up in New York. Yep. You know, I, I did not grow up in an outdoorsy family. Uh, we were very much uh, indoor children. Um, <laughs> I never really experienced like camping as a child, like none of that. Yeah. So wow. I had to sort of like get used to all of that when I was living in Vermont <laughs> for right. the first right. time as an adult, like, oh, people do this for fun. So right. yeah, went to Yosemite is beautiful. It was amazing. Like the hiking, uh, perfect weather. I had a great time um, until I got uh, bitten by a horse fly and then I broke out in hives all over my body <laughs> because oh, I had like an allergic. it was all over it wasn't just your so I got I got the bite spot um which was on my arm <laughs> then my hand uh swelled up um which was an oh. allergic reaction and then other hives uh on oh my, my other God. arm started Popping Jesus. up because of the stress and allergy that I didn't know I had. Um, yeah. So that was that was really fun. How long uh, did it last? A couple of days. It, it you know, in the scheme of 2020, yeah. it's probably. <laughs> It wasn't a murder hornet, okay? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a murder <laughs> hornet. It was, uh, yeah, pretty small concern. Um, I did not get COVID from the horse fly, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but it just, you have to laugh because I was like having this like amazing, you know, experience of yeah. seeing this beautiful, like the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my life in this yeah. national park and doing this hike. And then immediately it's like, not so fast. Yeah, like right. we are going to take you down a notch. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that happened to me was I got a haircut. This <gasps> well, it looks amazing, by the way. I should Thank have started you. with that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, a professional Thank you for haircut. pretending that you noticed. I, uh, yeah, no, I got a professional haircut. Wow. And I, I have to tell you, I felt like I was doing something a little bit wrong. Like, <laughs> of yeah. course, I was masked. My hairstylist was masked. I tipped her like I was Tony Soprano because <laughs> I feel horrible that yeah. she has to be working in this yeah, uh, right. environment. But I still felt like I'm going to get in trouble. I can't put this on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take tiny, tiny little risks once in a while. Tiny. Yeah, this was one that I had to... It had gotten to a point where I started to look like a sister wife and I was like, I need to get a haircut. <laughs> I know. I've been, I, I like, am I a horrible person for choosing something like, like a vanity something over like, like, I know I need to go to the dentist, but I'm not doing it. For and sure. Yeah. I am like, I'll probably do something riskier for vanity before I do something that I need to do for, you know, for my health. 
Oh yeah. I mean, the things I've gotten out of because of COVID that I don't want to do, um, <laughs> the list is endless. Um, linings. <laughs> but well, congratulations. I'm glad you did. Thank it. you. Thank yeah. you. So what, what's going on with you? I saw that, um, the club did like a, a slideshow comedy show that I yeah we did like a TED Talk spoof thing that was really really fun and uh, yeah we started kind of doing more shows online again because the summer was kind of dead for everybody they were all outside Mm -hmm. but now that it's getting colder and darker um, we're starting to do some more shows and stuff and uh, it, it went super well and we're having some fun and um, that's about it. Like, um, just- the one last thing I wanted to mention in our check-in, uh, because we know <laughs> we like to talk about uh, other shows that we watch um, oh, yeah. as well. Oh. I have found the greatest television show of all time uh, <laughs> next to MacGyver. It is called the dog house UK. Um, it is a, okay. just a show about British families adopting dogs. Uh, oh, it God. is the like I have cried once in an episode. Um, oh my god! I love it so much. It's about adopting the perfect dog for your family and rescuing dogs. It, anyone great. who has access to HBO Max, like you, have to watch this show. Amazing. It is the most joyful thing on earth. I love the recommendation. I will take it into account. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see if we're making recommendations. Uh, oh, I'm doing Search Party now. Um, oh great! I loved I loved oh uh, Search Party. It's what so a, funny. What a cast! And it's so fun because so many of the comedians that we know and are friends with like pop up in the episodes because yes. it's all in New York <laughs> and it like has a huge like amazing cast. Um, l- let's get to our guest! Yay! Okay, uh, our guest tonight is a hilarious comedian, and she is the co-producer of a couple of comedy shows, Mortified Chicago and Arguments and Grievances, which Annie also produces. Uh, Please welcome Mary Z. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hello. Thanks for coming out uh, to our virtual podcast. Yeah, it's an honor to be asked to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're getting a lot more easy yeses in this age, I think, than we would ordinarily for podcast guests. Yeah, a lot of easy technology, a lot of people with a little bit more free time. So Mary, why don't you tell us um, what your history with MacGyver is? Um, Any awareness that you had going into this, if at all? um, You know, what what was your perception of the show before this? I am like a general like pop culture aware person. So I knew like the main conceit that it was like a dude that gets into like scraps every week (laughs) where he's able to Jimmy rig things to help him like get out of rooms that he's stuck in or he can like build a weapon. So I watched the episode that we were supposed to watch. And I also watched like the first half of the pilot episode just to be like, all right, I need to like, just in case there's like anything I need to like get up to speed on. <laughs> you think they're um, gonna quiz you on the mythology of the show? Because it's like some procedurals like do have kind of like a lot of stuff built in where it is useful to have a background, sure. but um, I wa- I ended up watching the first twenty minutes of the pilot, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I get it. Because yeah. I so before I watched the pilot, I like wrote down like 
what I think MacGyver is. Oh. And I wrote down. Did you like seal this in into an envelope and then open it? <laughs> yeah, after you you've buried it? it in your well, front yard. <laughs> well, I, I watched it with my boyfriend beforehand. I was like, okay, I'm going to write down what I think this is about. And oh, I thought I he was like, I this. thought he was a detective. Okay. I thought there was going to be like a captain that gets mad at him. Uh <laughs> And I thought that it was going to be kind of like one of the, like a procedural where it was very like um, cop workplace okay. show mm-hmm. where like he has all these friends that like work in different departments and help him out. And 20 minutes and I was like, oh, this is not <laughs> it. And I, there isn't really like a big supporting cast where I have to like get up to speed on relationships. Right, like right, He's yeah. a lone wolf. He works for some like random government agency and it doesn't matter right right but exactly it's super unclear who he works for especially in the in the pilot episode right um so what are the shows that you did grow up on and that you were super into pop culture wise yeah so i grew up in a very tv heavy family um we did not believe in the notion of like screen screen time limits or anything (laughs) um so growing up, I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of TV with my dad. So like my dad's like flagship show that we all watched together was Married with Children. Uh, <laughs> so I have like an encyclopedic knowledge of Al Bundy and his family. At what, um, at what age were you watching that? I mean, I don't remember not watching it. Right. There's a lot of adult humor in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm the youngest of four children. So by that time, the idea of like things being age appropriate kind of goes out the window <laughs> because you can't you can't filter it for every child. Right. So it's like, well, your oldest sister is watching it, so you can watch it yeah. too. <laughs> we were also a big Columbo family. Oh yeah. Um, when I was like watching this, I was like, oh, our our kind of like go to, yeah. like government crime procedural that we would watch was Columbo. It was like a special event, right? They had like yeah. one or two of them on a year or something. And you, and it was like, you make your popcorn and we'll see for me. Um, when I, you're probably it watching was at the, reruns though, right? Yeah, it was reruns yeah. and there had been enough of them that it was yeah. just kind of, it was what was on TV yeah, when I right. came home from school every day and my that's what my dad was watching um <laughs> so it, it was like I didn't even realize it was a special event yeah. I was just like well this is today's episode of Columbo right right yeah it wasn't a show that ran it was like a it was like David Copperfield would do one giant show with a giant trick where he'd make the Statue of Liberty disappear every year and every year Columbo would solve one mystery and that yeah. was like what you got <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And then once I was able to kind of like start making my own decisions about what TV shows I would watch that like weren't crappy ABC sitcoms right. that my dad liked, um, I would, I kind of veered more towards like the sci-fi, like, and fantasy and supernatural route, like Buffy mm. and X-Files and right. stuff like that. Cool. Uh, well, what do you think, Annie? You want to jump into our discussion? Yeah, let's jump episode? into the episode. Let's get a summary and, and refresh our memory of what happened in this episode. 
Okay, so what happens in this episode is MacGyver gets a frantic call from an ex-girlfriend, Amy, who works for a nuclear power plant. She has discovered a conspiracy to steal large amounts of uranium, placing her life in danger. She and MacGyver set about trying to identify and catch the conspirators. During the final standoff, one of the thieves fires a weapon in the control room, triggering a chain reaction that threatens a nuclear catastrophe. MacGyver and Amy climb to the roof, stop the meltdown, and save the day. Yes. Amazing. All right. Well, we're going to get into our, what we thought worked about the episode, what we thought didn't work, and uh, how it holds up now. Uh, but before we dig into all that, what just overall, what were your first impressions, Mary? Like not having really seen MacGyver before. Um, I'm assuming you started with this one. You didn't start with the pilot, right? Like, started with the first 20 minutes of the pilot. And oh, then, I was okay. like, then I was like, okay, I can switch over to episode yeah, yeah, 13 because yeah. I get the gist. So like... In that but it was a huge jump because the yeah. pilot gambit is this like very like cool shot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's cli- like there's footage of him like climbing up a mountain. Right. There's a missile. And then this is like him playing foosball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought like the opening was like a little weird um in tone. And my general impression coming away from the episode, like I was like, wait, is this like the story of how MacGyver is a fuck boy or like, <laughs> and it's like, I kind of came away from it feeling like, yeah, these two people should not be dating. Right. Um, I kind of like walked away from the episode thinking like, Oh, I understand like why this show was on so long and why people liked it and how mm-hmm. it was probably like a really fun, like action adventure show. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of like, Oh yeah. In hindsight, this is like, a really like cheesy, weird show. Right. right. You know, we're so used to a a show that pays off as the relationships develop over the course of time or as the plot lines or the storylines develop over time. And this has none of that. It's just at the end of the hour, we start over again. They don't really make shows like that anymore. That sort of... Yeah, it's like even like right now, I'm currently I'm a big like Criminal Minds and Mm -hmm. like Law & Order SVU fan. And even though those are, you know, crimes of the week, Mm-hmm. show there's always some sort of like long-standing storyline or like something fun with like the relationship of all of the right. characters that moves it forward yeah right yeah i there's not a lot of that in this show no. um, that, is, <laughs> that is true i the opening of this episode was yeah, let's get into the, it the funniest thing I've ever like yeah. one of the funnier things unintentionally so on MacGyver. He is negging his current girlfriend at a foosball table. Um, okay, so which, they are dating. Uh, I mean, it was it was unclear. If they were like, let me be clear. We've never met her oh, as okay. an audience before, <laughs> but I'm ex- I'm extrapolating like they're you know she's in like his sweatshirt or whatever is going on, and and he's just negging her, and then she feels the need to throw in his face that she dated Gretzky, which I was like, okay, like she's, she's hitting back a little bit, um, only to be interrupted by his ex-girlfriend calling, um, who he immediately hops on a plane for. So I'm like this poor woman. So I, I will catch a break. I, I have to only because I'm a little bit of ahead. I have to clarify that that character is supposedly is supposed to be his friend and landlady. 
This what? Is, okay. <laughs> yes. And uh, just the same exact way we had the Pete Thornton problem in the last two episodes, this episode and the following episode are shown out of order. So she appears oh. in the she appears in the very next episode and they introduce her in that episode. He has this whole narration about how she's his landlady and she's his friend and she keeps him in line and they got a great friendship and yada, yada, yada. And uh, it was clear that they meant for this to become a running character. And then they shot this episode where she is not explained at all. And then no. she never appears again in the series. Oh my gosh. So, I, yeah, I, very I confusing. Assumed, I assumed, oh, this is someone that has been established in episodes two right. through nope. 12. <laughs> no, and I assumed that like, okay, like this, this woman is in his apartment and they're yeah. kind of like joking and riffing. Like I just assumed yeah. it was some kind of relationship. I think the only clue is that in the 80s, they never would have let you wonder. If they were dating, they would have told you, they would have hit you over the head with the romantic aspect of it. Yeah, right? I guess I guess that's true. But I, I don't know. I guess maybe I just don't play a lot of foosball with <laughs> men I'm not involved with. <laughs> just, that's more of like a, more of a relationship. More of a personal rule, you know. <laughs> but this is the story of how MacGyver became a fuckboy, so. Yeah. <laughs> I just and also like that's your tenant. Why are you bragging to your tenant about who you used to? <laughs> I fucked <talk>? Bretsky. <laughs> All right, hold it steady for me, will you? This is real tone problems because we've got like we've got uh, Amy working late at the nuclear plant, being told her boss just like went over a cliff and died. Cut against the. In incredibly stupid scene with the two of them playing football where this accent that he's doing this Canadian accent is oh funny for one yeah. second and the fact that they kept it going for the entire scene makes no fucking sense I felt like I was watching Richard Dean Anderson the actor fucking around on set yeah. <laughs> like I didn't, it didn't feel like <laughs> acting at all to me um, yeah yeah it was it was a little strange um, and then I, I thought that the whole setup of like their his relationship with Amy and the fake um, <laughs> her, her faking her own death her essentially um, <laughs> oh my was, gosh. it just it jumped whatever shark you know, we could have already <laughs> jumped by this point. Like it's so far beyond. Uh, I don't, I, I think, I think the flashback jump jumps the shark, the car exploding actually surprised the shit out of me. I was like, did not expect that to happen. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I, I was, was, it was really shocked about that. Yeah. I yeah. was laughing so hard <laughs> because it's just a shot of them waving to each other. And yeah. The car explodes, which is that's just, why it's surprising though. Cause you think, Oh, he's going to walk over so there. Silly. Like yeah, why yeah. would, that be and the music it just the whole thing was just uh was just they froze his face in like a single frame so yes the freeze frame so we could really see how shocked he was and i think (laughs) was this the first flashback we've seen from macgyver i i thought it was the first um where their whole dating history is is shown to us um yep and we get to see a 35 year old actor play an 18 year old (laughs) with absolutely no difference other than a leather jacket (laughs) i think amy made the right call yeah like (laughs) you can get on the barge buddy yeah it's like he was like oh well we talked about traveling and it's like you did not talk about me like giving up my science career right. to work in a kitchen on a freight cargo <laughs> ship. Like I wanted us That's to maybe right. like backpack through Europe, exactly. maybe spend a week on like 
you know, in the Mykonos or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she wanted to go to Paris. She was not trying right. to go work as a short order cook on a freighter. <laughs> like that, like this is not the yeah. same thing. And he's like, "Come on, he's like, trying there's to be a romantic. whole world out there." Well, he's yeah, like, "We're, we're going to end up in Greece." That was his big thing, right? It was like mm-hmm. a free trip to Greece or whatever. But still, yes, <laughs> it was not her sense of adventure. And uh, what really blew my mind in that exchange was like him being like you know i didn't study physics you know to get a career or to make money i studied it because it's interesting like he's trying to nag her for like having goals and like wanting to put her like hard-earned degree to use yeah Yeah. it really it reminds me of a very 80s 90s trope and like i apologize but i am gonna bring up ethan hawk right now because um, it is october it's october um i so i've been watching a lot of ethan hawk movies and and tweeting about them and (laughs) i re-watched reality bites and a like it's the same idea of like yeah i dropped out of school because the degree is not important important to me but look i'm reading poetry mm-hmm. like in every single scene you know he's reading he's an intellectual and he's right. in it for the love of learning not uh for the stupid degree and the right. like mm-hmm. meanwhile his girlfriend the physicist sellout <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's just the idea that like being an intellectual and being an artist is, you know, prized and knowledge is, you know, valued. But the idea of going through a path um, to achieve a degree or to achieve, you know, a certain career is like considered super lame. Um, I'm I'm glad that we've sort of gotten away from that as a culture, (laughs) but it was definitely a thing. I mean, that's, and that's the whole point of like, that's the romance of the character of MacGyver. Yeah. He's a, he's a cat that lands on his feet. Right. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. We have also been just, uh, <laughs> every single episode, there's some, uh, fucking awful narration. I write down these little bits of dialogue. Cause I'm like, like the past is a strange country. You go back and it doesn't <laughs> recognize you. I've changed in ways I don't know. Like, what is that? What what lunatic writer thought, yep, that that says everything we want to say with the character. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it magnetic, no po- like magnetic yeah. courage poetry. <laughs> it really is. Like, did somebody throw something to the wall and and see what came out? Oh. Um, it's it does feel like there's a lot of like TV and film voiceover that's supposed to be super poignant. Mm. And then when you actually read back what they said, you're like, yeah. wait a second. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, like in real life, you'd be like, what? <laughs> right. What you, in what real life, if somebody that? said that to you, you would be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just going back, real quick, the Amy getting chased around the nuclear plant by one guy was so anticlimactic. I was, it had great music. It had a lot of timpani and bass clarinet and stuff, but she's in heels, basically speed walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I feel like just run is going to be like my new mantra for this show because so often the characters should just run and instead they are walking. They or really like to stick around. Yeah. Like in, <laughs> they stay in whatever situation they're in. She um, makes a full on phone call from the, nuclear plant waiting for him to catch up to her it's all very anticlimactic i thought but she leaves her heels on 
Yeah. And the, the, so the flashback, I mean, in addition to all the bad narration and stuff was just to me, like neither one of them looks any younger. They, uh, they have this real on the nose thing where they're playing like crocodile rock in the truck stereo. And then it changes over to time in a bottle (laughs) halfway through the scene. And it's like, what are you doing? Uh, Amy quote unquote dies. Right. And we get to meet the other, I wrote down Scooby-Doo because you know how in Scooby-Doo, like basically the like, like second and third character you meet in the episode, like it's always one of them that pulls the mask off right. at the end. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, so now we have like the meek, mild-mannered guy who works for the nuclear plant and the sheriff. And we know one or both of them are going to end up being responsible for this whole, you know, uranium theft. Um, I've got some trivia about the the this guy, the guy who played uh, Tim Wexler. Probably know this already, right? Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. What is it? Tim Wexler is played by Robert Unglin, I think his last name is pronounced, who is Freddy Krueger. Yeah, the original Freddy Krueger. Wow. A little bit more trivia. This is not the first time we've had a Freddy Krueger guest spot on MacGyver. What? Oh, hey. Who is the, who's the first? <laughs> so uh, our top rated episode currently is Last Stand that takes place in a little airport in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And there's a henchman in that episode named Turk. Uh, remember the little guy with the earring, Annie? Uh, how could I forget? Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, played Freddy Krueger in the 2010. Uh, oh, interesting. And he was also in Bad News Bears. Somebody yes. pointed out too. Yeah. yeah. So he's, so, he's been around the box. So this Robert England guy is the original Freddy Krueger and he was wearing a black and red tie in this MacGyver episode as a nod to his uh, character who is oh. only two years old at this point. Like, okay. He so he had, he had already filmed yep. Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Yeah. What a different role than Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah. Even um, though he's like a technically a bad guy, like yeah. he's still sympathetic at parts. I, I, I'm sure he's great in the movies. I'm not a horror buff, um, but I think he's pretty terrible in this. <laughs> um, but that's yes, just he me. He does very bad things. Uh, he's just, no, I mean, as an actor, I think he's terrible. Oh, yes. I mean, um, I didn't think like anyone's acting no, was particularly not, no. great. Um, I, I actually, I want to play... 10 seconds of this episode for you all because this is the worst acting I think I've ever seen in this show. Here, hang on. Ready? Here we go. Back. Amy. I I just heard on the phone that... What are you? I I mean, who's in the... What's going on here? I am. (laughs) That's it. That's all. It's... So wow. bad. That whole scene, I mean, well, there's a couple of things. I know. To we'll get talk to. about the whole scene, but just at that particular moment, for me, it was like, oh, I've seen this in a seventh grade play before yeah. where he <laughs> yeah. can't convincingly like deliver any of those words. So he puts weird pauses between them. And then the actors opposite him just have to stop and wait when in reality, you'd just be interrupting each other. You wouldn't be waiting for someone to go, I, who, what are you? What's happening? <laughs> you just talk. <laughs> like, it's so. Oh, it was just, it really felt like community theater to me. That was really. He's really fun as Freddy Krueger, but when it comes to to basic procedural acting, not so much. Yep. Uh, Maybe he needs the costume to really get into it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But we can talk about the slush room if you want. 
Ugh, the slush. Oh my God. Well, I mean, first of all, I <laughs> want to just quickly mention like this poor friend of hers who is dead. I know. We don't care that she's dead. No one <laughs> is following up on to no. be like, hey, just so you know, this woman who's missing, who no one is bothering to even look for. Like, even it's like, yeah, she went into town. I bet she'll miss the funeral. <laughs> who has ever spoken about someone's roommate like that? Wouldn't you be like, we better get a hold of her? Um, <laughs> Every five minutes of the episode, I would just randomly yell out, but what about Bonnie? <laughs> Bonnie like, no one has brought up Bonnie. No, Bonnie, Bonnie is the, is... who's the character in Stranger Things that? Oh, Barb. Yeah. <laughs> Barb, it's, yeah. it's a very Barb situation because Bonnie is dead. No one even friggin' knows she's dead. Her family has not been notified. <laughs> but you know, like, a weird thing in the police investigation scene when they think it's Amy that's died, they bring up that the funeral is tomorrow. I know. How yes. is there a funeral it's already? It's an active criminal investigation. I loved that his reaction to that. They were like, you don't need to be here for the funeral. And he's like, actually, I do. Actually, I do. <laughs> like, just very strange. No. Um, Walk it, off it toward be- the sea. <laughs> I was also just like, I couldn't get over the logistics of like, you don't have the funeral the very next day. No, never. Like it takes not even a, when it's not a homicide. Yeah. Also, if it's like an open investigation, they're not going to bury the body the no. next day. <laughs> no. No. no, we're going to need an autopsy. Yeah. Not, it's a yeah. weekend. We're going to need not at least this, till Monday. In this realm, they're like, well, her parents are dead. Let's just get this body in the ground <laughs> as soon as we can. Um, I liked that she was an orphan. I thought that was cool representation uh, for me to see on screen. Yeah. Um, great to be seen. <laughs> I, yeah, it was great to be seen. I wish she was a little bit less of a weepy orphan. That was one thing that I I just I wish we could see some strong orphan characters. Um, And that's that's just a personal thing for me. I did. I did enjoy like I'm so used to this show being plotted out so terribly that I did appreciate that we had a couple of like, I won't call them like, they're not shocking surprises. They're fairly predictable if you look at them on paper, but the car exploding. And then, you know, you know, something is amiss with, you know, it's not her yeah, in the car, you know, totally. something. but yeah. like when she come, when she's sitting in his back seat and she's like got tears streaming down her face and she pops up, it's like a genuinely, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure as a kid, I was shocked by that. Um, like it, it at least has like, the elements of a structured story. They have flashbacks. We try to figure out like a little character development in MacGyver. Like it's not always successful, but at least they're, they're trying to like make a better show. I think now that we're like 13 episodes in, I think they're like, let's figure out who this guy is. Let's give him a backstory. Let's try to throw in some surprises. Um, And like that, I appreciated, you know, I did think it was strange that she chose the funeral to pop out of his backseat. If there's one place you probably don't want to show up, it's your own funeral. funeral. If you want people to keep believing that you're dead, that's just kind of like faking your own death. One Oh one here. Well, I also, they're also standing on the street 
talking for five minutes before he says, maybe we should go inside. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's not she's not great at faking her own death. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to say that. And it's, it's not fine. like she was trying to fake her own death, but then she did decide to roll with it because people were actively right. trying to kill her. So. Uh, so, yeah. So what did you guys think of the love scene that happens inside the apartment when they have coffee and uh, and make out? I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, they kiss? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah they, because she says, she I remember how you crying. taste. Yeah, oh, she was crying. Uh, then she said, I remember how you taste. They were having coffee. They That's when, why they went into the house. Also, he's been sending her one red rose on her birthday the entire oh, time. That's what weird. the fuck? Come on. So weird. <laughs> like, maybe sending a gift or a card is appropriate, yeah. but like a single rose? No, 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 no. I would never give an ex-boyfriend my address, let alone. <laughs> Alone, <laughs> allow them to send me a red like, rose. What if she has a husband and this yeah. rose oh shows my- up once a year? He's like, who the fuck is sending you this exactly. rose? What is this? <laughs> it just seems like a weird conquesty thing for MacGyver yeah, right. to want to like send this red rose. Like he has <laughs> like ownership over this uh, ex, yeah. I felt. I mean, this sort of shit is like, we've been seeing so much of this, I think, because they need to set up for the audience. Uh, so much like they need to make connections between MacGyver and people we've never met before very quickly. And sometimes they yeah. have to get like very intimate very quickly. And so they are constantly looking for these little tricks. So if he's been doing something romantic for her and he never let her go, that allows us as an audience to be more invested in them, you know, going forward. Right. So there's a lot of that nonsense that I always feel like it's unrealistic, but like from a story point, they're just trying to like get you to give a shit yeah, about this it's, stranger. It's true. But like, as you know, like you could have, said like Lots of hey ways to do that. you called yeah. me every year on my birthday yeah you, right you know that <laughs> that would be appropriate like yeah, sending yeah, yeah. me a single red rose is no a cheesy um hack of hell you yeah know? like come on i don't remember how anybody i've ever kissed in my life tastes i don't know about you guys <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's not a memory that I... I and if you do, it's not for a good reason. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> it's, there's like a weird memory associated yeah, right. with that. It's like, yeah, I love how you used to yeah. eat sardines every morning. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> how's that? How's your chronic case of halitosis yeah, right. turning right. out? This just sort of regular old house household scene having coffee together. I noticed the coffee pot in this scene because I thought like, I really love going back and watching these shows and between like the coffee pot and the answering machine were two items in this show where I'm like, if this show was being filmed today as a throwback to the eighties and they sourced eighties props and costumes and tried to get all the details right and everything, they'd never come up with that shitty looking answering machine and that shitty looking coffee pot. It, that's just what we had. Like that's mm-hmm. just that's just w- what was lying around. And so uh, you know, like I think sometimes we put so much effort into the like into the exact details of a period piece without really it doesn't, but it doesn't have that lived in feeling. Like mm-hmm. I actually thought the the latest season of Stranger Things was that way. It was like everything, the whole mall was glossy and perfect, and mm-hmm. it's not what the eighties were. Um, and I, I just, it's really fun for me to see little details like that where I'm like, I remember having like that shit answering machine that like clicked every time, like you got a call and, um, it's fun for me to like revisit that stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, what's kind of cool is like, you you say whatever you want about MacGyver, but like it feels and looks like the 80s. Of the time. (laughs) No, it is of the moment. (laughs) I was like, oh, it has that like stereotypical freeze frame at yes. the end of the credits. I was like, I wow, that is like 
so of its time. Yeah. yeah. And when's the last time you saw that? Not ironically. Not ironically, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't remember yeah, at doesn't all. Happen. Um, well, and so we have this little nice little scene and then, uh, which I didn't mind when he empties his pockets out and there's shit in his pockets. And she's like, you always have shit in your pockets. Like that feels like a character trait to me. Like, yeah, he would have like shit in his pockets all the time. Yeah. I, I liked, I liked that detail a lot. Cause I was like, yeah, that's how he's able to like MacGyver shit. Right. Cause he's, he's like got, got, got a this... mind that's sort of disorganized like that. Yeah. Um, and he, he picks up these little trinkets along the way that he uses yeah. to, like a toddler. to get up. <laughs> yeah, he's like a toddler, but yeah, he picks up these little trinkets and he uses yeah. them to, to get yeah. out of um, little binds that he gets yeah. himself. In. I found a cool rock. <laughs> so we get to the plant and, um, yeah, the plant, the security at the plant was one giant chain link fence. It was about five feet high. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, they get locked in the chamber. Yeah. Well, Mary, what do you think about the sludge chamber that they got themselves <laughs> locked in? I was just like, they ran out of money for the <laughs> scene and needed to find like a random dark spot in a soundstage. <laughs> I don't know how like plausible the other like scenarios are that MacGyver gets himself out of, but I was like, these people would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would not, in real life, they would not be able to get out of right, this. Right, right. Also, I was just like, this is very strange how, like, easy it is for them to get locked in there and die. Like, there should, there should be more, like, redundancies and yeah that was the thing that was so so bizarre to me so i grew up um not too far from a nuclear power plant and we Mm. took a field trip there as you know uh whatever elementary school class because one of my classmates had a dad who worked there Mm. and so i i just remember how many doors and locks and chambers (laughs) and how far removed you really are from any place where nuclear activity is taking place. So Mm. the idea that this is where she stashed some documents earlier (laughs) and that a, no one would find them and that B that sludge would never cover them. Yeah. That's if that's like where you're, you know, it just, it, the thing that was so unbelievable to me is that they could even get, inside that thing right the high documents get back in and then to get locked in is just like what yeah. like why would a person be in that part of the chamber right right now this seems like like in in future seasons when this show gets a little better i feel like this is the kind of room where the bad guy would march him down to and lock him into sure. the other thing i flagged was that um the the guy in the lab coat is answering the main phone line. Like, what mm. was happening there? Do you remember that when people were calling the nuclear power plant and he's like, <laughs> Tim Wexler was doing that? Yeah, and he's just answering. It's <laughs> oh like, I forget God. what the name of it was, but it was like something nuclear. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's this entire nuclear power plant is run by two people, the security guard and Tim Wexler. Like Wexler is just in a lab coat. So, you know, he's like a fancy science guy, but he is the one answering the phones. And I'm like, usually a nuclear power plant doesn't have just a main phone number that you can call. That's like open to the public. Like that's not. um, Yeah. I also remember that MacGyver makes a comment. Like Amy, someone is like, oh, oh it's a well, weekend, someone, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Sunday, so right. we're gonna be short stuff. I'm like, but it's a nuclear 
power <laughs> yeah. plant. Like, yeah. And as we'll get to, it is very easy for this plant to fully melt down. Uh, yeah. It does not take a lot. <laughs> oh my God. So a couple of things, a couple of other idiosyncrasies in that scene. Um, she says, she, she whips around and says to him while they're standing in there with 59 minutes to go, Mac, we've got nine. And clearly her mouth forms the shape of the word one <laughs> when she says nine. It is so clear that they, they were like, oh, this edit doesn't work unless she says nine. Well, nobody will notice. And they just dub her in saying nine. Uh, very obvious. And then um, the other thing that happens is that she tells him that before the sludge even comes down the tunnel, they're going to not, it's going to be so hot in there, they won't be able to breathe is what she says. And then they get out just before the sludge comes down and they, there is no mention of the temperature in the room. Uh, yeah. So, so then we get the little twist and we find out that Tim is a bad guy and he has, <laughs> I know it's going to become important later, but at the time I was like, that is the largest revolver I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> But yeah, we get this little thing. Oh, they like they find the uranium or MacGyver does again, uh, just in the spirit of him always being the smartest person in the room. They've yes. scoured the nuclear plant and he finds it in five minutes. Hidden and in they the never basement. would have thought of it nope. being inside in concrete something signpost. else yeah. <laughs> or in a different form uh, than just in a canister labeled oh. uranium. Again, um, like. You're right. Like, uh, Mary, you keep, you were talking about the budget and like every, now I'm thinking back on every scene and I'm like, in any other show, when they found the uranium, they would pull the whole core of the uranium out and you'd see it, right? It would be like, mm -hmm. like very freaky to look at. It'd be like dangerous looking to be humming, right? And then they'd slide it back in and they'd have like maybe multiple ones of them or like this whole room is full of them. But instead it's like, he doesn't even pull it out. He like pulls it out one inch and he's like, that's yeah. it. But it's like a handle with some concrete. I'm like, this is cheap, cheap, cheap. Yep. That's uranium for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yep. We found it. Yeah. And again, she works there and she in at no point right. can be uh, cast as the expert in the scenario, even though right. she works at the fucking power plant and she's the director of <laughs> yeah. that project or that department and no 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 macgyver who has never set foot in a nuclear power plant right. is going to show her uh, how to find you although i did like when he we do get the moment when she gives him the badge and she says if it turns black and he says i get another one and she says you they give you a coffin right like i i like that moment because she actually knows more than him in that moment and right. he's like oh okay um so that was like a that was fine um i think now might be a great time to roll an interview that annie and i did with bill Irwin, who is an expert in radiology and nuclear science we asked him a few questions about the nuclear accuracy of this episode so take a listen they had a few things that were right enough to probably lend some plausibility, yet there were places where it was really quite bad. For example, the radiation dosimeter, where if you have a badge on and it turns black, then you're dead. Right. The next thing is they're going to order a coffin for you. <laughs> Clearly, that's not the kind of language we want to use when you are introducing someone to your, <laughs> the, the thing you're going to wear as you walk into a place with radiation. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, those kinds of badges are used. Most people are given a dosimeter that is for much less radiation dose. Then you've got the one actor, the, the villain, who actually does get too close to a valve. The unfortunate thing about radiation is that if you're that close enough to see 
someone's dosimeter turn black, yours is probably turning black too. <laughs> I wondered that so too because yeah. I was like, oh, he puts yeah. his he puts his mask back on, but it takes him a few seconds, you know. <laughs> 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 well, and they're all in such close proximity to one another. Yeah. yeah. And, and while we like to think that you can move far enough away, that certainly is not far enough away. And then, especially at the end, when he's on the roof of this building with a uh, hose being sprayed by uh, co-actors there, and then he opens it up to save the day yeah. and more water spray. Um, that would be extremely uh, radioactive and it would create <laughs> incredible harm to both of them. At this time in history, there was probably some mystery surrounding um, nuclear science in general. Like this was this show, this episode was pre Chernobyl um, by, I don't know, six months or something like. Right. You're right. It is about four or five months preceding Chernobyl, mm -hmm. but it was seven years after Three Mile Island. Mm -hmm. So there was in the minds of Americans, and certainly that would be the only population willing to watch MacGyver, I'm sure. <laughs> Americans? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a very pro-American show. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's only Americans are, are foolish enough to watch MacGyver. Right, right. right. MacGyver finds himself trapped inside of a room most episodes, and in this case, the the room is some kind of radioactive slush room. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to know if that if that has any basis in reality or not. No, you would not allow access into a space of that. <laughs> Does nature. a room like that exist? Yeah, there are places hmm. where it could be considered a room, but typically there are tanks that are uh, only accessed through some sort of small opening and certainly not as the actress notes that she could feel the stuff coming through the walls as <laughs> right. it was and then uh the other thing that i thought was interesting about it was the the quality of what of that sludge uh mm. it looked more like cafeteria food <laughs> and I do wonder what it was. In fact, um, yeah, they yeah. used to, Somebody yeah. had to make that st some, some prop master had to make that stuff. Right. But so what you're saying is it's yeah. not a good place to store uh, some documents that you might want to go get at a later time. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a really good point that she, she knew the purpose of that room. She right. knew it would be at some point in time possible that it could be flooded with, either cafeteria food <laughs> or <laughs> nuclear waste. Right. The theft of the uranium being so, I mean, it's so casual. The whole thing is so casual. And I assume safety uh, and security protocols at these places uh, were maybe not as strict in the 80s, but... Actually, the even in the 80s, the security and safety around the materials that would be used for nuclear reprocessing were extremely tightly controlled mm. uh, because we were doing it for nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers mm -hmm. already. And uh, had these villains actually tried to do anything that they had done, they would have died in the process. Mm. Ironically, if you could get it separated, 
take this uranium, which is all they really wanted, out from all of the rest of it, it by itself is only mildly radioactive. It's hmm. all the other stuff in the nuclear waste that has so much lethal radiation associated with it. Hmm. So the actual way that it's done is with very sophisticated techniques. Hmm. It requires very sophisticated technology hmm. and people doing it. Right. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't see any of that in the MacGyver no. episode. <laughs> no, we noted that the full staff of this nuclear power plant seems to be about four people. Yeah, there are four people total. <laughs> and you mentioned security, and I have to just yeah. harp on this one for a second. Uh, we have what looks like four people total. We have one security guard in a control room, and we have someone in a lab coat answering phones. So <laughs> what would a real facility look like in terms terms of the staffing and security that we might see. It's, it's typical for the security staff where it is just waste that is being stored. So it's not even an operating facility to uh, probably be on the order of 10 to 20 to one. So for every one scientist or operator or technician, there's 10 to 20 security officers. Wow. And all of the places that I've been, it's not uncommon for you to go to the restroom and you're standing there doing your business and then two or three security officers step up too and they're wearing these automatic weapons, full body armor. They And you're very concerned at that point in time mm. as to are you acting as best as you can given the people who've just joined you. <laughs> Right. They are absolutely in charge. So one rogue scientist with a gun probably couldn't <laughs> take the whole thing down. No, uh, no. <laughs> There's in fact a sign. You, know, you, you see one that just says, please, no trespassing. Hmm. Then the next sign uh, says, this is a nuclear facility, no trespassing allowed. Then you get to maybe you've suddenly had an inspiration. You want to continue past that <laughs> sign. And you get to the next one that says, you may be killed if you proceed past this point. Wow. So it's very clear that yeah. uh, the use of deadly force exists wow. on the other side of that sign. So you don't drop by um, a facility <laughs> no. like this. You don't no. just pop in to say hi. Uh, no, it, it literally would require... Uh, a Mission a, Impossible team. Some Something <laughs> yeah. on, the, uh, on the order of... Uh, uh, an army to yeah, penetrate. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Which is good. Amazing. Which is what we want. Yeah, that's which what, is we, what want. we need. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I was really curious about um, the equipment they were using to detect the radiation levels. Is that in any way based on anything? Because that to me seemed like a metal detector <laughs> that you could pick up um, from wherever. Yes, I, it had some resemblance to what you might use to detect radio waves. Um, hmm. And that might be something because they were in the broadcasting business that somebody hmm. actually had on right. set there and said, oh, this looks <laughs> enough, enough like, like yeah. a Geiger counter. Or <laughs> right. um, what, what about like the, so the whole climax of the episode when the errant, like one errant bullet going into the control panel sets off a chain sequence of events that leads to pressure buildup that he and he alone must, uh, you know, relieve. Yeah. Is there any amount of truth in like 
any of that or is it just something that the story the, the writers came up with for you know dramatic effect certainly just for dramatic effect we learned a lot with three mile island to be sure uh, we learned that we needed to have more redundancy mm. uh, so that it couldn't just have one failure at a panel mm. you needed to have multiple failures in multiple panels for example so it's really nice that as bad as Three Mile Island was in many ways that we learned from that and improved safety and security um, outside of something either criminal, which is what occurred at Chernobyl, or um, extraordinary in natural disasters uh, mm-hmm. with the tsunami and earthquake at Fukushima. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, this show definitely has like uh, its feet firmly rooted in the late 60s Cold War era stuff. Yeah, it looked a lot like Star Trek, the, the yeah. first generation. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot of crossover with the two shows we're learning. Um, yeah, a lot of cast actors crossover. And yeah, so uh, that's interesting that you make that connection. <laughs> uh, well, this was great. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and like filling us in on all this stuff. Great. I've enjoyed it. And despite uh, having to go through watching MacGyver twice. <laughs> well, I apologize for that. Uh, you're not uh, obligated to join us on our journey to watch every one of them. <laughs> yes, you two have to be examined, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I also like one of my one of my favorite MacGyver moments in this was the stupid walkaway moment. Like again, this was a cheap way to create tension but it created like real suspense as far as i was concerned like it i just like was like okay this works yeah i liked how yeah i liked how they played that moment um i didn't like it at all i was (laughs) i no i didn't like it because i just felt like it was macgyver being like overly cocky and again, they're trying to build tension by the slow walk away thing. But in my mind, it cost them nothing to run. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about it was it wasn't really a MacGyverism. And there's a lot right. of a lot of that can be said about this episode. I feel like there's mm-hmm. not that many of right. um, of the like tricks. And yeah, know. he's more like a wrangler of, of like social <laughs> situations. Yeah in this episode than uh, uh, like an inventor. Yeah, because it's really only the the slush room. The slush room and then using the gun on the... Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, in the first 20 minutes of the pilot, he's breaking binoculars and shooting lasers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I liked more of that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, once we finally get to um, the rooftop, just what are the chances that that gun would just fit perfectly over that bolt? And I, I did really like how much they hit us over the head with right. the fact with the that thing. he does not like guns. Yeah. Um, yep. they had to slip it into a voiceover even, <laughs> um, like it was just, it, it was over the top, but, um, MacGyver's hatred of guns is always, uh, always needs to be mentioned. Yes. They yes. also mentioned his fear of heights in this episode. Episode. Right. Again, they mentioned in the opening right, of in the pilot. pilot. Uh, so I would imagine this is you're 13 episodes into a brand new show, right? People might be still coming on board at this point, right? So mm-hmm. you're still trying to kind of hit him over the head with what MacGyver's all about. So keep like, why is this guy not pick up that gun and shoot him? Is like a question that I imagine the audience would be 
wondering, right? Yeah. So you kind of like have to keep hitting them over the head with like, no, no, this guy doesn't use one. I might have missed this because I was smoking a jazz cigarette at the time. <laughs> um, with the police chief being involved with it, like, did they explain like what the end game was? Just money. Yeah, they there really is. They make no effort to tell you like who these people are that he's selling the uranium to, how they approached him. We never see them or hear them on the phone or anything. It makes it a very intimate episode because we don't have that scope of like, oh, it's an international terrorist organization trying to get mm -hmm. their hands on a bomb. It's just like, oh, the dopey sheriff's like, so what? I got the money. Yeah. I, I, to me, that was completely <laughs> unbelievable for someone who works in nuclear physics to be that blase about um, where this uranium ends up just seems so silly to me. I got the sheriff not giving a shit. Sort of. <laughs> um, I did not get the, the nuclear right. um, guy just, just being like, well, whatever, like that's, it's, you should know this is not whatever, like your plant yeah, is melting right. down at this right. moment. Yeah. Like we, one of the things we hated about the episode we did live, Deathlock, was that they gave this woman the motivation uh, that she's helping the bad guy because they've got her brother, right? And mm -hmm. we were like, that's bullshit. It was like, she had this like meltdown and it was totally unnecessary and it felt totally tacked on. And then in this situation, we're like, this guy needs more motivation. Like, he does. You know, they yeah. need to be like, like stressed, like torturing him to do this <laughs> as opposed to like... Yeah, or he's going to lose some, you know, research he's worked for his right, life on, right, you know, right. something. Um, yeah. that, for some that reason why he really sense. needs the money. Right. Right. Exactly. Sick grandma. Come on. <laughs> yeah. If you are like familiar, if, if like this is your field and you know, and you're like well acquainted with the consequences of this, like you don't just do it because you're like, I want a little more disposable income. Um, this, uh, this nuclear power plant actually, <laughs> I looked it up, is a uh, sewage treatment facility. <laughs> <laughs> like those giant like bulbs that they climb up are like anaerobic to digester like eggs. <laughs> um, well, which I thought was fun. I'm, I'm glad this wasn't a nuclear plant that they were allowed to film in. Because, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's a real, it was a real cheap episode. All right. Well, is there anything else we want to hit before we, uh, we should probably, I feel like there was some ambiguity in how they left things that I was hoping. Oh, right. To get yeah. Yeah. To. Well, um, first of all, is, is it, did you guys notice that the, that the house was for sale at the, in the last shot when they come out of the house? So yeah, I, I was significant confused. I noticed at the end and then I was like, whose, whose house is this? Is, does she own it or is she rent? She has a roommate. Not anymore. <laughs> What about Bonnie? <laughs> right. What about the hashtag? What about Bonnie? Uh, I was like, okay, maybe there was like an earlier version of this script where we we hear that she owns the house and she has kind of settled down. And now because she doesn't have Bonnie anymore, now she's decided to like put the house up for sale and maybe like, maybe she'll travel the world with him. Who knows? Yeah, that's ice. I was ready for that. I was like, oh, maybe she's selling the house. That feels like one of those things you just like cut out of the final edit, but we can't do anything about the yard sign. So, yeah. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. I, so they're coming out of the house and I felt like they were trying to signify that they had just like spent the night together after, um, you know, they, yeah. they save the world. Yeah. Save, save the plant, save the community, whatever. But then they have this really bizarre interaction where, um, they talk about how strong their friendship is. Um, and I was like, what her. friendship? <laughs> he kisses her on the cheek and, and they basically decide to like, you know, put, put their relationship to rest. Um, I right. guess. Right. So, yeah, it was like one of those, like, they were trying to justify why we wouldn't see her ever again. Totally. We all, we both know he's going to continue on to the next adventure. So on to the landlady <laughs> <laughs> or not, because you know, she's, uh, she's been with professional hockey players and right. she's not impressed. <laughs> nope. Not impressed by him. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk more with Mary and we'll find out where this episode falls on our DTMP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. I'm Lori. And I'm Natalie. And together, we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like, what if you're annoying? So, every week, we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my god, that sounded so official. Nailed it! We're back with our guest, Mary Z. Um, and we're still talking about uh, Flame's End. What a great title. Um, what, a, what a smart I, title I guess that it's, is. yeah, it's the end, end of their <laughs> get relationship. It, like, oh, speaking of old, uh, old high school flames, why do we need to have 35-year-old pe- people's pictures in the high school yearbook? <laughs> you can't find a picture of Richard Dean Anderson at 18 years old? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, I guess that would have made his flashback scene incredibly hard to watch. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. (laughs) Because Uh, if mm -hmm. we had seen him actually at 18 and then the 35-year-old plays 18, uh, that would have been hard. But that's a level of continuity and logic that I'm not sure. (laughs) No, we staff was I mean, working with <laughs> we were introduced to the landlady before we knew who the fuck she was so yeah continuity's no. not their strong suit i love it i love that they just film things in one order and they felt no yeah. obligation to air them in that order <laughs> so stupid so speaking of Ugh. 18 year olds um so mary what were you like in high school what was your kind of like did you have a click did you uh what was your growing up experience like Yeah. So in high school, I kind of the main groups that I was a part of was like the honor student, the drama club kids, and then like the youth group. So kind of like a nice, good, smart kid who also (laughs) like would get upset if I didn't get cast in the musical. Right, right. Nice. And are there any sort of like 90s, um, late 80s uh, things that you get nostalgic for? Yeah, I get like I get kind of nostalgic for like so much of my culture today is like through like binge watching. I do really miss that like anticipation of looking forward to the next episode of something like I was like I mentioned earlier I was a huge like obsessive Buffy fan Mm. so like every week it was this like 
go on, you know, you watch an episode, go on the message boards afterwards <laughs> to like discuss and like talk about like the previews for next week. And then you were just like so excited leading up to the next episode. Yeah. yeah. I remember that too. Like shows like the X-Files and Buffy, you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen next. And then you had to like use your dial up modem to join some message board to talk to other yahoos about it. Right. Well, like in the times of like my Buffy, like high school Buffy obsession, there were like spoiler message boards where like people would like try to like find out rumors of things that were going to be happening. But like you didn't have like leaked footage or anything like that. Well, and now I feel like it's so different because I do have shows that I watch, you know, when they come out um, the night of, but like, we know so much more about the production now. It kind Mm -hmm. of takes that fun away from it. Like I love the show succession as a lot of people know, and I know uh, famously, (laughs) and I know like when filming for season three is slated to start, you know, and I know who has been, you know, contracted to come back. And so I know like if a character is or isn't going to be there. And so like that almost takes away that like, you know, rabid anticipation that I had, you know, for for shows when I was in high school, like just needing to know what was going to happen between Pacey and Joey. Like (laughs) what is going to happen? Come on. Um, Well, it's like it's an an entire era where like and I, I do get nostalgic for this more and more the older I get where we just didn't know anything. Like, and it was just okay to not know shit. Like, for instance, MacGyver was my favorite show as a child. And when it went off the air, I was very upset. And then it got announced that they were going to make a TV, like a made for TV movie, like a year after it got canceled. And I don't know how I found that out, probably in the newspaper or something. Or my mom (laughs) like cut it out of the newspaper and showed it to me. And I lost my fucking young mind because I was, (laughs) when is this going to happen? When do I get to see more MacGyver? Oh my God. You know, or like even just the answering machine thing uh, from this episode or the fact that, uh, what's her name? not barb what's her name bonnie 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 vanishes and they're like we probably won't see her this weekend she'll probably be back like the idea of just dropping off the grid and no one being able to reach you yeah like i really get nostalgic for that i'm like man i remember the days when you just fucking go somewhere and nobody knew where the fuck you were or could yeah you you go on vacation with your parents or somebody that you're trying to get a hold of goes away for the summer and like yeah they get your answer machine for two weeks yeah (laughs) I mean, I love the information age and everything, but sometimes I'm nostalgic for not knowing shit. Um, All right. Well, uh, hey, um, why don't we move on to our next segment and uh, play It's Classified. Let's do it. Uh, We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we have a scientific rating system uh, and we're going to rate this episode. Okay. This is like a basically a rapid fire game. Each one of us is going to f- score flames end from one through 10 on four different characteristics. Uh, so you're a guest. So you go first, Mary, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how exciting did you find this episode? I'd give it a four. I did think <laughs> that like the death of Amy was like out surprising. of nowhere. It did surprise me, but I had to keep reminding myself to like pay attention <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, things get like they slow down a little bit and the pacing is so slow. You're like, am I still watching this show? Yeah, I, I agree with four. I'm going to give it a four, four. too. Okay. I okay. I did not find it over the top exciting. Yeah, I think you're all, you're you're right, especially since like with the lack of MacGyverisms in this episode, it did feel like this and the stakes not being very high. 
even though uranium was at stake, like nuclear catastrophe was at stake. Yeah. And I still felt like the stakes were pretty low. Because like when a nuclear plant melts down, that's a really bad thing. Um, I think and it I is, feel yeah. like they they didn't spend enough time talking about how that how many people that's going to impact and sort of yeah, like yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. Whereas like maybe it's just because I watched Chernobyl this year. I'm like, yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta kind of underscore how big a deal this is. Um, okay, so I'm gonna go with a five. Uh, and what about acting and writing, Mary? Like those things that go together. So <laughs> acting and writing in this episode. Like <laughs> You laughed at the mere concept of, <laughs> of scoring the acting and writing in this I episode. I would give it like a 2.5. <laughs> Just so many plot holes and like how, like they don't, I feel like the rest of the world doesn't even like care that this like nuclear reactor almost <laughs> melted down yeah yeah i get it i totally get it i support it what do you about you annie um i am giving it a i'm gonna give it a four um okay. because it was really bad um but at least macgyver uh tried an accent uh in the opening <laughs> scene boy did he try an accent more more than we usually get um yeah there's a lot of cringy acting but a lot of yeah. it was very funny unintentionally and i enjoyed it yeah. so all right uh this is a really hard category for me because i was so offended by tim wexler's delivery of those couple of lines <laughs> that i want to just tank this whole episode with regard to acting but on the other hand I I liked the fact that we got like some some nice acting beats between him and a, a love interest, and the plotting. Like I said, there were some surprises in the in the writing that I haven't seen in some previous episodes. Ugh, I'm talking myself into a higher score here. I'm gonna give it a six. Uh, I know that's a much, six. I'm I'm gonna give it a six. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, sheer innovation. This is the one through ten of the MacGyverisms in this episode, and as we spoke of before. Not a lot of them. What do you think, Mary? Well, I don't know. I guess you have to take into account that he did escape a slush room. <laughs> but... You have to. Nobody's taken that away from him. <laughs> but then you also have to take into account like how easy it was to get into that slush room. I, I have not really seen any other MacGyver, so it's hard for me to compare it to what he's done in other episodes. So I'll right. give it like... I think he should be really proud of getting out of like <laughs> nuclear meltdown. So I will give it a five, but I feel like you guys will probably give it lower since you're exposed to like hey. maybe like more fun stuff that he's done. Doesn't matter. I mean, the whole reason we have a guest is to throw a wrench into our scoring every week. So <laughs> um, go ahead, Danny. What do you think? I give this a two for innovation <laughs> because he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he, doesn't really. he has no MacGyverisms. There's no tricks. He, the, his Swiss army knife doesn't come out once right. he uses someone else's gun and yeah. And he gets into and out of, he finds uranium, but he's using like tools that are meant to search for yeah, uranium. Right. So he, yeah. that it's not like he created something to do yeah. that. Um, yeah. It doesn't have the same finesse as some of the other episodes in terms of like, Oh, that's cool. He put those two things together and he's like, you see his hands like working. Yeah. I just, I, I like the scrappiness of, you know, him working with what he has in a yeah. certain situation. And yeah, sometimes those are super cheesy and it's just him yeah. like, you know, <laughs> rolling a bunch of barrels down a hill, but at least, <laughs> 
<laughs> At least he's using his magic. Now, you you tried to tell me last time, last week, <laughs> that a coffin that turned into a jet ski was a great MacGyverism. I love that. Oh, to my do with gosh. <laughs> I might need to watch that just for that moment. Uh, uh, first of all, it was great. And I <laughs> I reserve the right to wildly change my opinion from episode to episode. Yeah. Yes, of course. So. Uh, um, all right. Then I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to kind of go in between y'all and do a four um all right the fourth category is 80s cool factor how cool was this episode as compared to what you think of as cool 80s shit i'll give it i'm gonna give it a five because it does have like it has like freddy krueger and it (laughs) it has like i feel like it's maybe doing like it's trying to do like a call back to i don't know if back to the future was out at this point but i was like yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. i was like oh clearly they're like well people really liked it when the libyans stole oh yeah I didn't the think uranium and marty mcfly wore sure. that suit so i was thinking throughout it like macgyver is very 80s hot i was like this is a very 80s tv mm-hmm. star yeah, that makes sense. I didn't think of the Back to the Future uh, connection. That's so smart. And Back to the Future was the most popular movie in the movie theaters at this yeah. time. Like, it mm-hmm. was the biggest hit. What about you, Annie? I don't know. This doesn't have some of the hallmark cool yeah. things that I usually look for. Um, I I just didn't think it was that cool. Um, I did like his hockey look. Um, and I thought... <laughs> I thought the shots of his apartment were very eighties. Like yeah. I, I mentioned the foosball table and it's like, that is, that is like yeah. the most eighties, like probably expensive, um, you know, gadget that somebody, yeah, I'm sure have. as a 10 year old boy, I was like, cool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see now it's ridiculous and no adult would have that yeah. in the living room, but yeah. you know, I'm sure it was cool at the time. So I'm going to say four. Okay, cool. Uh, I think it was I, one of our previous guests pointed out that that MacGyver is basically a version of the Fonz because Henry Winkler mm-hmm. is a producer on this show. And we were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's like a cool thing. And he can he knows how to get things to work just by like banging on them. And like it, it, it has like a kind of a laid back Fonzarelli vibe to it. And now I'm thinking to that, like <laughs> that flashback. He's on a motorcycle in a black leather jacket. He is the Fonz in that flashback. <laughs> They're playing 50s music. It's like. I feel like Henry Winkler was like, let's just do this the way I would have done it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I'll go right in between y'all. I'll do 4.5. Um, great. So we have uh, three quick bonus categories. Uh, if any of these things is true, it'll just get an extra five points. Uh, yes or no. Does he help out an old friend? Does that count? He helps out Amy for sure. But Amy's also an ex-girlfriend, which is another category that's a bonus category. I feel like you can't have both. But they say that, you know, they really value each other's friendship. I know. But it's a friend with benefits, right? Unclear. I mean, they do make out. um, And (laughs) she does, like, go out of her way to talk about how he tastes, um, which is not (laughs) how I talk to most of my friends. I would put it only in the ex-girlfriend category. Okay. And then finally, is he detained against his will? He's not locked in there on purpose. Is he? No, someone pushes that door. Yeah, yes. yeah they're someone locked in there on purpose. Yeah, for sure. It's time to reveal the results. Out of a total possible 135 points, this episode receives 60 points, making it the second worst episode of MacGyver oh my we've God. watched wow. so far. <laughs> um, only beating out Trumbo's World, oh the absolutely insane insect 
uh, film. Clear, Trouble's World is the worst episode, right? Yes. 100% Trumbo's World is the worst. Uh, we're still looking at Last Stand as number one, Thief of Budapest is number two, and Deathlock now uh, has solidly ended up at number three. Um, and uh, the pilot is down near number, you know, six, seven or something. Uh, but this is all going to change because we're only 13 episodes in. So, Mary, thank you for being on. Um, what, uh, what would you like to plug? What's going on with you these days? Tell people where they can find you online, all that nonsense. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at yeah. Zemitis Touch. And this weekend, I'm probably going to make soup. Um, <laughs> that's nice. my big thing. Yeah, I'm not Beautiful. really I'm not really like performing right now. I'm just kind of like writing out this pandemic. So I'm kind of yeah. just being like a normal person for a while. It's crazy. Right? Um, it's weird. So, Follow me on social media to see what kind of soup I'm making. Great, great. And then, you know, when the pandemic's over, maybe your social media will turn into where people can see you and yeah. check out your work. Um, that's great. That's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe and rate and review and keep in touch. Our website is themacgyverpod.com and our socials are all at themacgyverpod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can get them on CBS All Access or you can buy them for a buck an episode on Amazon. Next week, we're going to be covering Season 1, Episode 14, Countdown. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends, friends are, are the, the adventures, adventures of, of life. life. Thanks. Good night, everybody.